Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Fatherhood is one of the most important jobs on the planet. And yet many in our church and society recognize that fathers are struggling to be the dads their children need them to be. What can Catholic men do today to reverse this trend to be great dads in the 21st century? On the podcast today, we discuss seven tips for fathers. Along the way, we'll talk about Kevin's own dadhood, our favorite commercial of all time, and give you a feast day hack that will ensure that you never again forget what to do on an important feast day. Let's get started. Perhaps the greatest commercial of all time inspired the title of this podcast. That's right. It is the greatest commercial of all time. I think it is the greatest commercial of all time. I do. It's my favorite commercial, at least. And we've never done an episode on it. At least. (laughs) Like most of our episodes, (laughs) we do them on commercials. Okay, I'm going to have to explain. Uh, So if you have been a longtime listener, you already know this. How to Catholic, the idea that like, springboarded this was a Cheerios commercial and it's the how to dad Cheerios commercial. Oh man. And we've never done a how to dad episode. But here we are. I don't know why we never thought of that before. I too don't know why. I think it's cuz I'm pregnant 31 weeks. Hey. Yeah. In case you missed that one, baby's coming in November, which is the baby's due on my dad's birthday. That's crazy. So that's kind of cool. So we really need to honor this Cheers commercial. If you've never seen it, I'm going to put it in. Honor. Give homage. I don't know. Um, May we give yeah. honor and privilege <laughs> to the How To Dad peanut butter Cheerios commercial. Yeah. We're going to put it in the show notes. If you've never seen it, it's like the best summary, really, of what a good father looks like. May it rain forever. <laughs> M- minus, minus there's no Jesus involved. But yeah, other than on, on a natural virtue level, it pretty much is a perfect 10. It's it's a home run. So we're going to give our own version of how to dad, Catholic style, how to Catholic dad. Mm. Mm. Yep. Which means Kevin will be doing a lot of the talking because he's the dad. I, I am the dad. That's you Christ. are the dad in this family. <laughs> We just want to make sure everything's really clear in this podcast. Yeah. So far, so good. We're doing great here. <laughs> so, Kevin, give us some vision on fatherhood. I think, first of all, I just want to say, I think this is such an important topic because we have such a dearth of fatherhood in our society. I don't think anybody would deny that. Mm-hmm. In fact, even our government, I was thinking about this as we were talking about this this idea, did like a whole campaign on Be a Father Today. Do you yep. remember that? It was like a year ago. And they had billboards of examples. Most of them were Disney movies, oddly, <laughs> of like good father, like good fathering. And they'd show a picture of the dad, like being a dad. And it was like, be a dad today. So even our government recognizes like this is an issue mm-hmm. for society, for the good of society. And I think Obama, when he was president, had a whole like committee for this just yep. for fatherhood. Yeah. So it's a thing. We kind of stink at being dads these days. And so we're going to do our best to offer some of our advice on being a dad. And if you're going to give a preface, I'm going to give a preface that I remembered, which was 
particularly on parenthood, I think it's sometimes difficult for us to give advice because we know we're not perfect parents. We know we still have a lot of life to, to live and to raise children. And so whenever we speak on this topic, just know it's some of the things that we picked up over time on parenting, or in this case, fatherhood. But by no means are we saying, and like many things on our podcast, oh, we're experts. We know exactly how you should be a father or you, how you should be a mother. Or like, it's more just like, hey, as we are growing as parents, here's some of the things that we've learned and that we want to pass on. I will say though that you, I think, are an excellent father. Well, oh, that's an awful nice of you to say. Yeah, and I'm not just like saying that. Like, I really do think... Um, and you were super blessed to have a great father. Totally would you, totally say that. Yep. Yeah. And Kevin's father, dad's yep. one of the best. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's, um, such a gift because it gets passed on in so many ways and you were blessed to have a good example that was passed on. Yeah. Absolutely. So. And that leads us to our vision. And it's really just a quote. It's uh, from a book called successful fathers by James Stinson. And I really, it's one of my favorite books. It's small. I like, Worked really hard to hunt it down tonight and our bookshelf in our basement that was dark. That's a long story, but like spent like 10 minutes in the dark looking for this book because it's so good. And he has a lot of great quotes. I'll share this one and then a couple as we go throughout our podcast. But James Stinson says this. He says, the greatest challenge a man can face by far is that of raising his children well. Without exaggeration, it can be said that his success or failure at this constitutes his success or failure in life. So it's a very intense statement, but I think I agree with it. And obviously our faith is in there as well, but I think our fatherhood's a big expression of our faith. So um, as Lisa mentioned before, fatherhood is so important. It's so important for society. Um, Cheerios recognizes it. Our church recognizes it. and uh, The government right, recognizes it. The government recognizes it. So I think it's, it's really important that we spend time recognizing it as well. Excellent. So what we have for you today are seven tips for fatherhood. Yeah, seven tips. Mm-hmm. So let's get started because I really like this first one. Mm. The first tip is to love your wife, which in this case would be me. So this sounds counterintuitive. Like, wait, this is about children. Why do you have a tip about loving your wife? But I think um, really it's one of the best things you can do for your children because one of the best things you can do for your children is give them a great example of marriage because marriage is the foundation of our society and really a lot of ways the foundation of our, uh, our our church as well, the domestic church. So we want to give a great example of marriage, uh, but it's also about self-care. Like when you have a great marriage, you can learn how to parent as well because you have someone who's pouring into you and it's easier to pour into others as well. So really as we think about parenting, one of the best steps is to put your marriage first because we do that even that sometimes it feels like to the detriment of my kids to like have a date night or to go out or do those things, that's actually where you can come back, refresh, and be able to be a great parent as well. Yeah. Do you um do you want to tell a story about Grace this week that you told me earlier? I, I, I will tell you a story <laughs> about Grace. So I was riding around the car with our four year old, and she, uh, as we're driving around, she goes, "Dad, it's just me and her." She goes, "Who do you like most in our family?" Love. I thought it was. Oh love. yeah, she started love. I said, well, Grace, I, you know, I love your mom the most. Like, that's what started this family is me loving your mom. But, you know, and then, then she went on to the next question, which is, but which one of the, your kids do you love the most? And I said, well, I love you all unconditionally, so I love you all the same. Then it turned into, well, which kid do you like the most? <laughs> She's really thinking it through. 
What she was is just trying to beg for. She was like, I think dad loves me the most. I think dad <laughs> likes me the most. So she's just like begging for it. And I was like, well, I like you all the same. And at this point in time, Paul was in the car, our son. He's like, really? Like, who do you like the most? And I was like, I like you all the same. And then Grace finally said, but who's the funniest? Um, but I think it's just, yeah, it's key that you love your, your wife the most, uh, e- even among all these fun questions. And it's a great out when they ask, who do you love the most? Yeah. Mom. It's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, so I would kind of give uh, just like a, hmm, kind of almost like a, a, in conjunction with this, like if you want to, this is this is like my one tip for. <laughs> one tip for fatherhood. One tip for fatherhood from the perspective of mom. Like if you want your husband to succeed as a dad, like love your husband would be the number one tip. And I think part of that, and I think the the, where I really see this come into play is how you love your husband is you let him succeed as dad. And I know that sounds counterintuitive, like, well, how do you let him succeed? But I I think I talk about this a lot when I talk about the feminine genius and do women's conference conferences, it often comes up, you know, we as women, and this is a whole nother talk, but we have this thing called a feminine genius, which JP two labeled it that way and one of the gifts of this feminine genius is our intuition which allows us to really see the needs of others and know how to meet them and I think sometimes what women do what you see oftentimes in marriages especially when it comes to faith and to children is women kind of have this intuition of here's what needs to be done and we kind of drag guys along and Mm -hmm. kind of correct them and tell them this is how you do it and I think when it comes to fatherhood, it can be really easy to try to tell dad how to be dad as a wife and be mm-hmm. like, no, this is how we're going to do it. This is the best way because there's this mommy intuition that that is a gift that we have, but it ends up just shooting dad down if you're constantly correcting him and telling him, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is the right way. And it can become really, really frustrating. And so I, when I say love your husband, what I'm suggesting is the way that you love your husband to help him succeed as a father is to let him be dad. And I see this all the time where, especially early on in our marriage, you know, Kevin would be trying to take care of our firstborn and I'd be like, that's not right. That's not how you do it. You know, like you're going to mess it up. But I eventually got to a point where I realized if I keep criticizing him, he's going to stop helping because he's going to be frustrated and I won't blame him for that. Like nobody mm-hmm. wants to be nagged all the time. And so over the years, I've really like my one tip <laughs> that's worked has really just been letting it go and just letting Kevin do it his way, even if it's not the way that I would do it necessarily, but realizing that's okay. That's the complementarity. If I try to turn him into another mom, then we're missing the element of him being dad. Mm-hmm. And so that that would be my that would be my like bonus to that. Love your husband, let him be dad the way he is dad. Yeah, just to reiterate, I think agreeing to the what, like we need you need to be involved in your child's life. That's a what. But the how in which a dad decides to do that, that's that's where it's great to be like, you choose whatever the heck that means, you know? Yeah. So sometimes you need to come to an agreement on the what. But the how, I think, is where the freedom, in most things, whether it's a job or parenting, where it's just like, yeah, you do you. Like, yeah. you find a way to accomplish that task, whatever way that means, without me telling you what to do. Yeah, it's not like, oh, dadding and parenting is an option. Would you like to do it? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, 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 like, do it your way. Yep. And that's that's great. So, anyways, I hope that makes sense. All right, so our first one, love your wife. Second 
tip for fatherhood from Kevin is to put family first. Yeah, this one's not super complicated. It's a it's a little bit along the lines of, of love your wife, but it's really important just the perspective of a dad. And when you become a father, and I think that this happens naturally in a lot of men, um, but it's important to catch on is just putting your family first. And so it, that means putting your family first before your job, before your friends, before your hobbies. And I really see that as as seen a lot of guys in their 20s move from single to married to fatherhood. Um, their rate of maturity often equals their ability to do this very thing. The rate of me saying they're now a man and they're actually an adult and they're actually mature is their ability to say, you know what, my job's important, but my family comes first. We were talking about a family, uh, a friend this week. And I was just like, I admire that guy so much because I knew what he was like when he was single. But now that he is a f- uh, married and he's a father, he's doing things. And he's maturing that way and putting his family first before his job in a way I, I really never saw him doing when he was single, but he's really stepped up to the task. Um, and then before my friends, like you're married, you have other responsibilities that are more important before your hobbies. Like I, lo- you know, that you like that sport is great guess what? Your kids come first, your family come first. And like, you have to make it really that, that, that priority because it's such a great responsibility being a dad. Um, doesn't mean you can't be, have a great job or have friends or have hobbies. They're just not in first place. It's your family. Yeah. I remember Curtis Martin, like an analogy always used that I loved and Mm -hmm. Curtis mind you has like eight kids is the founder of focus, like kind of a busy guy Mm -hmm. talked a lot about to us as families about being a fourth quarter dad. So mm. he'd use this like football analogy. Do you remember this? Mm-hmm. And he'd talk about, you know, like if you divide your day up into quarters, like going home is the fourth quarter. And that's when you're the most tired and you're the most exhausted because you've been playing hard all day. But it's when you get home in the fourth quarter, like that's often the make or break of the game. Mm-hmm. So like what matters is like when you come home, you're not coming home like, oh, the game's over, victory. I'm going to like just lounge out and space out and do whatever I want. It's like, no, this is the time to turn on even more than when I was at work mm-hmm. and come home and do my most important job of being dad. Yep. Even I remember Dr. Shree when we were students studying at Benedictine and one day, you know, I, I came home at the same time he did came home. I came to his house the same time he came home for the day. And I remember coming in the door and he was like, this is where my job starts. And I admired him so much as a professor and like all the great work he did in the classroom and with students, all those things. But like, he made it very clear to me, like that this is when the jobs, my job starts. Like, this is where I'm really on, you know, Mm -hmm. this is the most important task. Yeah. Yeah. We've been really blessed to have some amazing families to get to enter into their homes and really see them living life. And that's been very influential, I think, on the way we see parenting. Yeah. This is another one where it like turned into another tip, which was find great mentors for fatherhood is really important. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right, let's do uh, tip number three, which is raise adults. Yeah. So I think this is a um, focus on the family. James Dobson uh, ideas. The idea as a father is I'm not raising children. I'm raising adults. It's really just a perspective on when I'm working with this child in whatever way, shape or form it is. I'm thinking to the future. I'm thinking with the end of mind, which is that they're eventually being, become an adult one day and I need to raise them as such. And so I can't treat them simply as children, although they are children and I will treat them as children, but in a way I'm treating them as future adults. 
and just a different perspective. So James Stinson, I quoted him earlier on Successful Fathers. He says this, a great many fathers think they're adequately filling their fatherly role by simply providing for their family's comfort and then sharing in it. They are wrong. And this whole idea that a father really has to be active in the right life of his children and the formation of his children because he's raising adults. He's not just hoping they remain children and making sure they're comfortable as children. He's forming them to be an adult. And so this means discipline. This means saying no and meaning it. This means thinking ahead. This means thinking through various uh, dynamics that go on with your child and the things it might face. Um, that is what it means to be a, a father. And I think I often see um, it's very easy for men to treat their children as friends or to merely uh, stay in that delayed adolescence that can happen so often with our society and to do that with their children. And it's just people to kind of pal around with. But that's not fatherhood. Fatherhood is totally formative and really raising children into being adults. I think that sums it up right there. Yeah, you're just not going to add to it. I don't even add to that one. No. Uh, Maybe it's because I'm really excited about this hack. I think that's also (laughs) the case. (laughs) All right, time for our Catholic hack for this week. And our hack for this week is a feast day hack. And it is. Simply this, when you have certain feast days throughout the calendar year, which, uh, P.S., this is on my mind because we just dropped the liturgical lowdown for October, and this first week of October here is stacked with feast days. I think five, like five of the days this week are super fun feast days. And so my tip is, is that you might listen to liturgical lowdowns or you might see traditions for how people live the liturgical year in their home and you're like oh I don't want to forget that for next year so what I do and what I've done for years now is in my phone I have feast days repeated just like you would someone's birthday so you put the feast day in like it's the feast of Saint Therese today as we're recording this so you'd say feast of Saint Therese and then you say repeat every year then what I do is in the location little space that's right underneath it instead of putting a location I put what it is that we do to celebrate that feast day so it says eclairs right underneath it which eclairs because Therese's favorite dessert or treat were uh, was eclairs and so we always try to have eclairs on her feast day and then so for example like tomorrow under guardian angels it says angel hair pasta or for this year because why not or for the Feast of St. Clair, who's the patron saint of media, it says movie night, because we try to always have a movie night on Claire's feast day. And so not every year do we get to do all of the traditions, but at least when I'm looking ahead at my week, that's just as important as the dentist appointment, or that's just as important as remembering about you know the soccer game or whatever. And it's a reminder to me of this is how we live in our family. This is what we breathe. Make sure that I'm getting what I need from the grocery store or planning ahead so we can do those special events. And I feel like planning's half the battle. You get to the day and you're like, oh, wouldn't it be nice, but I don't have time, right? Like that's, or like, I have to look that up. What did we do again? Like just to have it on your phone the day earlier. And it's like, all right, I'm right at the store. I'm just going to get this thing. And I didn't have to spend like, boom, just Mm -hmm. memory. Yeah. You don't have to like research every month. Once you do it for a year, then, you know, and then I add to it as I find new things. So that might be my favorite hack of yours of all time. Oh, thank you. That's very kind. All right, so back to our tips for fatherhood. Tip number four is be a great example. 
Yeah, so we were just talking about in the last tip, this idea of forming your children. And sometimes the reply question is, okay, but how do you do that? And I think being a great example, um, you realize really quickly as a dad that um, the way you act around your children is the way they begin to act as well. And so if we're thinking with this end of mind, whatever life you want your children to lead is the life you need to live yourself. Uh, JP2 once said of his own father, he said, um, the father who demanded so much of himself didn't have to demand too much of me as, as his son. And it's because he just saw his father's example so concretely for himself um, that he knew that he just wanted to model his life after him. So um, our children are going to imitate us for better or for worse. And so it's just good to think through the things that we do in our life, whether it's like how much I'm on my phone, how I act in my car, um, how I act when I talk to people or talking about people behind their back, the language I use, the TV I watch, how I pray. Um, and there's all sorts of bad examples I see in, in my life sometimes when my kids yell at each other. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's how I sound when I yell at them. I need to learn not to yell <laughs> yeah, at them. Yeah, they do. They mirror you, and you're like, oh, that was for me. Dang it. Um, and then there's other moments where it's like, oh, yeah, that's great. My daughter sounded like me in that moment, and I you know, hope she learned that from me. You know, mm. um, But imitation is is so real. And I think as, as fathers, if we want great children, we just have to keep looking at our own life and, and working on it, whether it's um, praying more and, and, and developing a relationship with God, whether it's uh, learning about the virtues, uh, whether it's learning how to control entertainment, learning how to fast, all these different things. If we want our children to have a great spiritual life, we, we have to do it. If we want our children to learn how to honor and respect their mom, well, we have to talk to our, to our wife. You know, all these different things uh, are so important. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. You brought that up because just today I was listening to a talk and it was talking about the influence of JP2's dad on him. And he talked about how multiple times like JP2 would be like get up in the middle of the night to do something, go to the bathroom or something. And he would see his dad up in the middle of the night praying and, like what mm-hmm. a profound impact that had on him. Mm-hmm. So his dad wasn't doing it. So everybody would see it, but he would notice it. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually one of my hardest examines is like when my kids wake up in the morning and they see me, I'm not going to be like, Oh, I'm going to pray in the middle of the night all the time. That, that probably won't happen. But when they see me in the morning, I'm up before them. Do they see their father more on their phone, on his phone or praying? Like, cause they like to pray in the morning. Like that's my goal on Saturday and Sundays. But like, what will they see the example more of? That's mm-hmm. a hard question for me. Cause a lot of times it's like, Oh, I'm waking up weekend morning, tired. Let's just pull out the phone. It's like, no, I should be praying. And plus my kids are seeing me either praying or not praying. Mm -hmm. That's just personal for me. Mm -hmm. All right. Tip number five, find a way into their lives. Yeah. So I think as a dad, your goal is to find a way to love them as they uh, need to be loved. And really, we haven't talked about this yet, but really imitating God, the father, he's our ultimate example for fatherhood and just realizing in the incarnation, he sent his son into our lives to so that we would know uh, how to live. Uh, and so he really came down to us to show us how that we can to join ourselves to him. And so I just think as dads, uh, we have to learn how to find our way into their lives. We have to um, kind of practice this incarnational uh, nature that our Lord did as well. So um, really to learn what they love. And that might not always be as a dad what you love, but that doesn't mean... Um, 
you can't do it. It just means you have to sacrifice and you have to say, this isn't what I would like to do, um, but I'm going to find a way that I can participate in this. Maybe not fully, maybe just at least partly, but I'm going to try. I'm going to put myself, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to go to that event. I'm going to try to learn it. I'm going to try to understand it. Whatever it might be, just that attempt, I think, goes a really, really long way. Yeah, and I think I've seen you do a really good job with this, with our son, Paul, Um, because there's several things that like Paul's, Paul's brain is engineered more towards my family. Mm -hmm. So the way that he like does things, um, my grandpa was a master plumber who would design, like he designed like the plumbing system for a major hospital in Omaha. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so like it, he just, that's the way his brain works. And that's the way Paul's brain works. So it's really funny because I've seen you like take him to like, okay, we're going to the maker fair, like things that like your brain doesn't necessarily go, this is cool, but Paul freaks out about it and loves it. But then you, you, you've continually worked to find things that you guys can do together. And recently we've discovered that Paul really enjoys golf, Mm -hmm. which is really fun because Kevin's dad also enjoys golf. So when your dad was in town a couple weeks ago and I was out of town, it was fun to hear like, oh, well, you know, grandpa, dad, and Paul are all golfing together, mm-hmm. which is pretty cute. Yeah. I'm sure that's the word you would use to describe yeah. the three of you on the golf course. But Yeah, I, cute's the first one I'd go to. <laughs> so just, yeah, I would say keep keep doing those things that maybe aren't your favorites, but also keep searching. Yep. Like you're going to find common ground somewhere. Don't just write it off as like, well, we're just too different. And you never did that. It was like, well, we'll just keep finding things we love together and eventually we'll find something that we really love together. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. All right. Number six, number six tip is learn the art of conversation. Yeah. Conversation is just one of of those keys to life that the better you are at having conversations, I just think just the world can open up to you, whether that's um, at work or just in a neighborhood or at a business talking to somebody or in your family as well. And so I just trying to find ways to talk to your children is just paramount. You know, if they're, if they're little it's finding that way to joke with them or to relate to them and really get to know how they view the world. Um, if they're older, sometimes it's learning conversation to open them up to understand really what's going on in their life, what they're struggling with. Um, you know, certain kids are really open to, to talking and they'll talk and talk and talk and talk. Other kids aren't. And even both styles, I just find learning conversation just can really help them process the world. And that's one of the things that you can do as a dad the most, and it's, uh, James Simpson talks about this as well, as the role of a father in many ways is to help children understand how to relate to the external world. And it does, doesn't mean that women can't do this as well. They definitely can. He makes a great note of that in the book. But he says a lot of times children are looking to their father to learn how they're supposed to relate to this external world outside the home. And it's through those conversations that you help them learn how to process the different situations. It's through these conversations that when you have actions and you're treating people in a certain way, you're doing things, uh, you're making transactions, you're doing business, whatever it might be that you're actually explaining to them and you're helping them understand how you're thinking and how to go through these things and not just what you do, but why you do it, even how you did it. Um, Those are the types of things I think with kids through conversation that really can unlock a whole world for them and really let them know how to live life. And it's simply because you know how to talk through these things with them. And my dad, I know my dad did great on all these tips but I think in this one in particular he did a phenomenal job it is funny to me how I I totally I see what you're saying and what he um James is saying the author Stimson yep Stimson yeah because you know when it comes to home stuff the kids 
you know, like they, they, re, they, they see me as home. Like they, they, I, even though I do go out of the home and do work sometimes, like in their world, I'm just home all the time, unless I go on a trip. Like, I don't think they quite recognize like what I do when they're not home, you know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's the, that's their worldview is like, well, mom knows about like the home and how to take care of the home. And so it is funny to see how they just naturally are drawn to asking you the questions about things that like are going on at work or like things that are going on with their relationships with their friends and things. Not that they don't talk to me about those things, but particularly Mary Claire, our oldest, you know, be like, I just need to talk to dad about this. I'm like, that's great. Mm -hmm. That's really great. Not that she doesn't talk to me, but I'm really glad that she wants to talk to you too. Mm -hmm. Or Paul, this week was like, what's the deal with credit cards? I don't understand credit cards. You're like, okay, let's talk (laughs) about credit cards. Like, what don't you understand? And like I explained it all the other day and he's like, I still don't get it. I was like, great, let's keep talking. Um, yeah. It's just so important to have those conversations and, um, yeah. Yeah. And I hope that didn't come off as like the woman's place is in the home and only in the home. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I don't mean it in that way. It's just funny how they perceive like what you do versus what I do. Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing because the reality is, is yeah, for the most part I am home. <laughs> and that's actually one of the things and I won't get into the book too much because we've already talked about it, but um, he talks about one of the things that have changed in the last hundred years is that kids typically see their parents and particularly their dad at home at leisure. He's not working. And when that happens, kids, the example that kids are given is, oh, I know my dad. He's the guy who sits on the couch and watches TV. Oh, does he work? Yeah, I guess he does. I just don't see that. 90% of what I see of my dad is him just at leisure. And so it's really important to take kids with you, whether it's doing work or out running errands or doing work around the house and having them see that dad's not the guy who sits around. Dad's a guy that gets stuff done and he shows me how to do it. That's so funny because, sorry, this is a little tangential and we're almost out of time here, but. I went for it anyways. Yeah. So I can remember as a kid in the nineties growing up and even looking through, like my mom gave me a whole box of stuff that was like special stuff that I had given to my dad. And then when my dad passed away, it was stuff that she found that he had kept and she gave it to me. Hmm. And it's interesting to see like the Father's Day cards are all like, you know, like images of like lazy dad and like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And it's just like, or even the, the Berenstein Bears, like the way that they portrayed dad was like, well, he was just this buffoon mm-hmm. and. It, it just was very much like a thing in the 90s. It was like this. Homer Simpson. Yeah. It yep. was this weird like women power thing of like, well, anything a guy can do, a woman can do better. We're going to assert ourselves like men. And so then at the same time as we as women are like trying to rise up and assert ourselves, we're going to be little men and act as if they're buffoons who don't know what they're doing and are idiots. And mm-hmm. that was very much what the society, like what society was like putting on me and in so many ways it impacted the way that I looked at my dad Mm. just from the outside looking in without even making my own judgment. But like, I'm a kid trying to figure things out and like my media is telling me this when I go to get my father's day card, it's telling me this like, yeah, dad just like wants to sit on the couch and drink a beer. Like that was like half the cards, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And it wasn't your dad's fault, but that's where you often saw him. Like it reinforced that message just because that's the way our society works is like, people work outside the home and you never see them work, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas 200 years ago, you're working out of your house, your agricultural nature. You see your dad working 18 hour days on the farm. Yeah. On the farm and like busting it or in the shop down below. And like dad means work and I better not be around dad because dad's going to ask me to work, you know, like (laughs) 
rather than dad means comfort and leisure and watching football. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's just different mm-hmm. as something I think it's important yeah. to realize. And I did not have a lazy dad. He worked very hard. Yeah. No, yeah. That's, but that's crazy. as a 10 year old, yep. I didn't process it that way. Yep. So great. I'm glad we had that philosophical conversation. Anyways, there's so much more we could say on that, but we need to get to tip number seven, which is to create a network of friends. Yeah. So this is um, kind of twofold. First is when a man has friends, one that's just good for him, but also prevents him from making his children his friends. Because when a guy doesn't have any friends, then it's like, oh, I'll just hang out with my kids, and then I'll treat them as my friends, and I won't discipline them because I want them to like me, because you don't discipline your friends. That's not a good way to be a father. So it's important to have friends um, to prevent that. But then it creates a kind of a wide array of different men who can teach your children. There's um, only so much I can teach my kids because I have certain things that I'm good at and things I'm not good at. But when I have a circle of friends who are in kind of their atmosphere um, or in their system, like uh, in their, what's the word I'm looking for? Sphere of influence? Yeah, sphere, whatever. And then their sphere. Yeah, I think that's good. Um, then they can speak to my kids. So I know I have certain friends who are great at construction and that totally speaks to Paul and teaches him how to build things in ways that I totally could not do. And he needs that. Like he needs that example. He needs lots of godly men who are showing him not just how I live, but reinforcing that. He needs different outlets on his own journey of how to take his life farther in ways I can't. Like that's what a circle of friends does. You have a friend who's a former professional snowboarder who teaches Paul how to skateboard. <laughs> yeah. That's I been can't, a really fun one. I can't do that well. <laughs> yep. It, it has been really funny though. He comes over and... It, He's like, Paul, Paul, don't do that. People are going to make fun of you. And he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) This is, this is how you need to do this, this move or whatever. And it's, it's been really fun learning just a ton from, yeah. Paul's really gotten into skateboarding lately and, uh, we're really grateful for Tyler because he knows how to teach Paul how to skateboard. So it's fantastic. It is fantastic. All right. How do you challenge Kevin? Give us a challenge for this week. Yeah, so how do you challenge, um, kind of think of one on this episode that everyone can do. And I really think um, when you hear an episode like this, it often can be difficult because we're all faced, we mentioned that I had a great, great father, and I did, but I think all of us at some point in time realize our dad has certain failings, um, and it's for some of us more than others. And I think sometimes listening to an episode like this can kind of stir up different feelings of like, oh, that's great on how to be a dad, but like my dad X, Y, or Z, you know, can often come to mind or some of the examples we give, you're like, yeah, my dad did that. That wasn't great. Uh, Or my dad didn't do that and that wasn't great. Um, So our how-to challenge today is to forgive your dad for whatever shortcomings he may have had and whatever wounds or hurt you may have had. And um, it's a great moment to invite God the Father uh, to come into those places. So I think just trying to pray with that, if this episode stirred something up in you, or if you know that contrast, just to really take that to prayer, uh, and whatever that might mean, whether it's a conversation with God about this, whether it's journaling about this, um, but really to ask and to um, pray to God, your Father, to help you uh, with that gap between uh, maybe what you see as the ideal dad and what your dad was, because I, I think uh, the Lord wants to heal you uh, in that and to help you forgive your dad. Yeah, and I'd point you to the How to Heal episode, that uh, interview that I did with Christalina Everett. If you do have dad wounds, which you might, that would not be a shocking thing, yeah. uh, given the state of fatherhood. There's a reason why we recognize that it's in a state of crisis as a society, not just as a church. So I would suggest if this did stir something up, next episode, go listen to is How to Heal if you uh, need to to work through some of those things. 
I think it's good to recognize and not be afraid of. So absolutely. All right. Well, that is our show for today. Thank you for listening in. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at made to magnify.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Kevin R. Cotter or at Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E. As always, if you enjoy the show, you know what I'm going to say. Give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, and tell a friend. This helps us get the word out about How to Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it. <laughs>